Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Welcome to the reading of the New York Times for Monday, October 24th, 2022. As a reminder, Radio Eye is a reading service intended for people who are blind or have other disabilities that make it difficult to read printed material. The New York Times is donated to Radio Eye by the Lexington Herald-Leader. Your reader for today is Mary Fullington. We'll start today's reading with the Merriam-Webster word of the day, which is genteel. Genteel is an adjective spelled G-E-N-T-E-E-L. Genteel means elegant or graceful in manner, appearance, or shape. It can also mean marked by false delicacy, prudery, or affectation, or be used as a somewhat old-fashioned synonym of aristocratic. Some examples are his husband always argues his opinions with the most genteel politeness. They conspicuously switched to a genteel accent whenever in professional settings. And she was born into a genteel family in the Hamptons. The word of the day, genteel. The articles appearing on the first page above the fold uh, of today's New York Times are as follows. Math scores fell in nearly every state and reading dipped on national exam. Boris Johnson drops bid to return as UK Prime Minister. Their America is vanishing. Like Trump, they insist they were cheated. China's leader now wields formidable power. Who will say no to him? First article, math scores fell in nearly every state and reading dipped on national exam. By Sarah Mervosh and Ashley Wu. U.S. students in most states and across almost all demographic groups have experienced troubling setbacks in both math and reading, according to an authoritative national exam released on Monday, offering the most definitive indictment yet of the pandemic's impact on millions of schoolchildren. In math, the results were especially devastating, representing the steepest declines ever recorded on the National Assessment of Educational Progress, known as the nation's report card, which tests a broad sampling of fourth and eighth graders and dates to the early 1990s. In the test's first results since the pandemic began, math scores for eighth graders fell in nearly every state. A meager 26% of eighth graders were proficient down from 34% in 2019. Fourth graders fared only slightly better, with declines in 41 states. Just 36% of fourth graders were proficient in math, down from 41%. Reading scores also declined in more than half the states, continuing a downward trend that had begun even before the pandemic. No state showed sizable improvement in reading, and only about one in three students met proficiency standards, a designation that means students have demonstrated competency and are on track for future success. And for the country's most vulnerable students, the pandemic has left them even further behind. The drops in their test scores were often more pronounced, and their climbs to proficiency are now that much more daunting. Quote, I want to be very clear. The results in today's nation's report card are appalling and unacceptable said Miguel Cardona, the Secretary of Education. This is a moment of truth for education. How we respond to this will determine not only our recovery, but our nation's standing in the world. 
The exam, which is administered by federal officials and is considered more rigorous than many state tests, sampled nearly 450,000 fourth and eighth graders in more than 10,000 schools between January and March. The results are detailed for each state, as well as more than two dozen large school districts. The findings raise significant questions about where the country goes from here. Last year, the federal government made its largest single investment in American schools, $123 billion, or about $2,400 per student, to help students catch up. School districts were required to spend at least 20% of the money on academic recovery, a threshold some experts believe is inadequate for the magnitude of the problem. With the funding slated to expire in 2024, research suggests that it could take billions more dollars and several years for students to properly recover. The test results could be, could be seized as political fodder just before the midterms to relitigate the debate over how long schools should have stayed closed, an issue that galvanized many parents and teachers. The bleak results underscored how closing schools hurt students, but researchers cautioned against drawing fast conclusions about whether states where schools stayed remote for longer had significantly worse results. Decisions about how long to keep schools closed often varied even within states, depending on the local school district and virus transmission rates. And other factors, such as poverty levels and a state's specific education policies, may also influence results. The picture was mixed, and performance varied by grade level and subject matter in ways that were not always clear-cut. For example, Texas, where many schools opened sooner, held steady in reading, but posted declines similar to national averages in math. In California, which stood out for its caution in reopening schools, scores declined slightly less than national averages in several categories, about in line with Florida, which was a leader in opening schools sooner. Los Angeles stayed closed longer than almost anywhere else in the country, according to data by Burbio, a school tracking site, yet it was the only place to show significant gains in eighth grade reading. Quote, Comparing states is tricky, and people will likely go to red state, blue state, which is not the most helpful framing, said Sean Reardon, a professor of education at Stanford University, who is conducting a deeper analysis to try to come to more definitive answers. Students today are still performing better than they did 30 years ago in math. For the last decade, math scores have held steady, with small fluctuations here and there. But this year, that stability was shattered. In eighth grade math, the average score fell in all but one state. Seventeen states and the District of Columbia experienced double-digit drops, including higher-performing states like Massachusetts and New Jersey, and lower-performing states like Oklahoma and New Mexico. Utah was the only state where the eighth-grade math declines were not deemed statistically significant. Places like Delaware, Maryland, and Washington, D.C. fell by double digits in both fourth- and eighth-grade math. The scores for older students were particularly concerning because, quote, eighth grade is the gateway to more advanced mathematical course taking, said Peggy Carr, commissioner of the National Center for Education Statistics, the research arm of the Department of Education, which administers the exam. She said students may be missing foundational skills in algebra and geometry, which would be needed in high school and for future careers in math and science. For example, Compared with 2019, fewer 8th graders could measure the length of a diagonal of a rectangle or convert miles to yards. Reading was less affected, perhaps in part because students received more help from parents during the pandemic. Matthew Chingos, who directs the Center on Education Data and Policy at the Urban Institute, a research group, said the national results are consistent with other data that suggests math scores, in general, tend to be more dependent on what is being taught in school, whereas reading scores can also be driven by what happens in the home. Still, reading was not spared, and in both grades, more than half the state saw significant declines. In 2019, reading scores had also declined in many states. 
The pandemic laid bare the deep and troubling inequalities that dominate many aspects of American life, especially in education. In fourth grade, for both math and reading, students in the bottom 25 percentile, 25th percentile, lost more ground compared with students at the top of their class, leaving the low-performing students further behind. And black and Hispanic students who started out behind white and Asian peers experienced sharper declines than those groups in fourth grade math. Black and Hispanic students are more likely to attend schools segregated in poverty, and those schools stayed remote for longer than wealthier schools did during the pandemic, deepening divides. The impact was especially stark for struggling students. In a survey included in the test, only half of fourth graders who were low-performing in math said they had access to a computer at all times during the 2020-21 school year, compared with 80% of high-performing students. Similarly, 70% said they had a quiet place to work at least some of the time, compared with 90% for high-performers. In one bright spot, most big-city school districts, including New York City, Dallas, and Miami-Dade, held steady in reading. Raymond Hart, executive director of the Council of the Great City Schools, which works with 77 of the nation's largest urban public school districts, saw it as a hopeful sign that the remedies districts put in place may be making a difference. Quote, we believe recovery and rebound is possible for students, he said. But students in some districts like Cleveland and Memphis could afford to lose little ground. Many experienced deep poverty and were also struggling entering the pandemic, yet they showed large declines this year across both grade levels and subjects. In Detroit, where nearly one in two school children live in poverty, just 6% of fourth graders were proficient in math in 2019. This year, that number fell to 3%. Test scores are not the only factors that matter for a child's future, but research has documented the importance of academic preparedness starting early. Students who do not read well in elementary school are more likely to drop out of high school or not graduate on time. And ninth grade, where eighth graders who took the test in the spring are now, is considered a critical year for setting students up to graduate high school and attend college. Quote, we need to be doing something to target our resources better at those students who have been just historically underserved, said Denise Fort and the interim chief executive at the Education Trust, which focuses on closing gaps for disadvantaged students. Much of the nation's hope for recovery rests on the billions of dollars in pandemic aid, but districts were given wide latitude for spending the money. Quote, many districts do not have a concerted plan for math, said Marguerite Rosa, the director of the Edunomics Lab at Georgetown University, who is tracking pandemic relief spending. She is among those who believe that districts will need to spend more than 20% of their relief money on academic recovery. One option, research suggests, is simply more time. Frequent small group tutoring and doubling up on math classes are among the strategies that have shown promise. Kevin Huffman, a former education commissioner in Tennessee, who is now the chief executive of Accelerate, a nonprofit focused on tutoring, urged leaders to set aside finger-pointing about what went wrong during the pandemic and instead make a moral commitment to helping students recover. Quote, We cannot, as a country, declare that 2019 was the pinnacle of American education, he said. Next article. Boris Johnson drops bid to return as UK Prime Minister by Mark Landler from London. Boris Johnson pulled out of the race to succeed Liz Truss as Britain's Prime Minister on Sunday evening, ending a quixotic bid to reclaim a job he lost three months ago amid a cascade of scandals and leaving his rival, Rishi Sunak, in commanding position to be the country's next leader. The result of the contest will not be known until Monday afternoon at the earliest, but there is still room for, for, for further twists. Mr. Johnson did not endorse Mr. Sunak, and another ambitious candidate, Penny Mordaunt, remains in the hunt. 
but Mr. Johnson's withdrawal removes much of the suspense from a race that was shaping up as an epic battle between the former Prime Minister and his one-time Chancellor. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mr. Johnson said he believed he had a path to victory, even though the BBC estimated he had lined up the public support of only 57 conservative lawmakers. It was well short of the threshold of 100 required to be on the ballot, though he claimed he had 102 votes. Whatever the case, he said in a statement, quote, I have sadly come to the conclusion that this would simply not be the right thing to do. Mr. Johnson, 58, said he did not believe that he could govern effectively without a unified conservative party in Parliament, despite what he said were his efforts to reach out to Mr. Sunak and Ms. Mordaunt, to create some kind of unity ticket. Quote, we have sadly not been able to work out a way to do this. Mr. Johnson's departure ends a feverish three days following Ms. Truss's resignation, in which he once again gripped public attention and dominated the political conversation. But his campaign never really gained momentum. Party leaders threw their support behind Mr. Sunak as a better option to try to unify a divided party and put the chaos of the last few months much of it caused by Mr. Johnson, behind it. For Mr. Sunak, the 42-year-old son of Indian immigrants, the dizzying events appeared to cap a remarkable turnaround in his fortunes. In September, he lost his leadership bid to mistrust in a vote of the party's members, despite winning the most votes from conservative lawmakers. Now, he stands on the cusp of becoming the first prime minister of color in British history. Mr. Sunak, who formally declared his candidacy on Sunday with a promise to, quote, fix our economy, had lined up at least 155 votes by late Sunday afternoon, according to a tally by the BBC, more than double the votes pledged to Mr. Johnson. Beyond the numerical advantage, Mr. Sunak picked up multiple endorsements from people on the Conservative Party's right flank. On Sunday morning, Steve Baker, a lawmaker who represents an influential group of Eurosceptics in Parliament, announced that he would support him. Quote, Boris Johnson would be a guaranteed disaster, Mr. Baker told Sophie Ridge of Sky News. Quote, we cannot allow it to happen. Later in the day, Suella Braverman, an immigration hardliner who served briefly as Home Secretary under Ms. Truss, threw her support to Mr. Sunak, as did Kimi Badenoch, the International Trade Secretary and a rising star in the party. For Mr. Johnson, who flew home Saturday from a vacation in the Dominican Republic to woo lawmakers, it was sobering evidence of how much has changed since he won a landslide general election victory in 2019. Despite winning endorsements from former members of his cabinet, he was not able to persuade the party's right flank, traditionally the bedrock of his support, to back him. Not only did many party leaders view Mr. Johnson as an intolerable risk, they also believed that Mr. Sunak, who ran the Treasury under Mr. Johnson, could bridge some of the bitter ideological rifts in the party, which were deepened by Ms. Truss's turbulent six weeks in office. In the last contest, many on the party's right flocked to Ms. Truss, which enabled her to beat Mr. Sunak. Under the rules set out by the party, candidates are required to have nominations from at least 100 of the 357 conservative lawmakers to advance to a second round of voting, which is among rank-and-file members of the party. Candidates have until 2 p.m. Monday to gather nominations. 
On Monday, the party will hold two rounds of voting to winnow the field to one or two. If two remain, party members will cast online ballots later in the week. Ms. Mordaunt, who is viewed as popular with the members, could still be a factor if she is able to cobble together the requisite 100 lawmakers. Having declared her candidacy on Friday, she insisted on Sunday that she was confident of lining up more than 100 lawmakers. But political political analysts pointed out that even if all of Mr. Johnson's publicly declared supporters switched their votes to Ms. Mordaunt, it would still leave her short of 100. She said that she had rejected an appeal from Mr. Johnson to support him, while media reports said she had asked him to support her bid. Mr. Johnson did receive endorsements from the current Foreign Secretary, James Cleverly, as well as a member of his last cabinet, Nadim Zahawi, who served as Chancellor of the Exchequer after Mr. Sunak resigned. On Sunday evening, he switched his support to Mr. Sunak after Mr. Johnson's withdrawal. Mr. Sunak's departure in July helped set in motion the wholesale walkout of ministers that toppled Mr. Johnson after a series of scandals that included illicit parties at Downing Street during the coronavirus pandemic and Mr. Johnson's defense of a Tory lawmaker accused of sexual misconduct. Quote, When I was chancellor, I saw a preview of what Boris 2.0 would look like, Mr. Zahawi wrote on Twitter. He was contrite and honest about his mistakes. He'd learned from those mistakes how he could run number 10 and the country better. Other observers were more jaded. They noted that Mr. Johnson and his allies claimed to have rounded up the votes of 100 or so lawmakers several times throughout the weekend without ever providing evidence that it was true. British newspapers reported that Mr. Johnson tried to strike a deal with Mr. Sunak to join forces, meeting him on Saturday, but the shape of a ticket was never clear, given Mr. Sunak's lead among lawmakers, and the animosity between the two men made any cooperation look far-fetched. In the statement announcing his candidacy, Mr. Sunak said his experience as chancellor would equip him to lead Britain through the economic challenges that loom. He promised a government of, quote, integrity, professionalism, and accountability, drawing a clear comparison with the ethical failings of Mr. Johnson's tenure. For all his success in winning over lawmakers, Mr. Sunak would still face a challenging job in resuscitating his party's fortunes. The Conservatives are trailing the opposition Labor Party by more than 30 percentage points in polls. Despite his flaws, Mr. Johnson was still viewed by many as a proven vote-getter. Mr. Sunak also must contend with a party still torn by factional feuds and divisions. The fact that Mr. Johnson was viewed as a potential leader, however briefly, attests to the residual hold that he had over the party and the task that Mr. Sunak would face as a leader. Some political analysts were already asking if there would be a place in Mr. Sunak's cabinet for Mr. Johnson. On Sunday, it was Mr. Sunak's turn to be the magnanimous victor, Mr. Johnson, he said in a statement, quote, led our country through some of the toughest challenges we have ever faced and then took on Putin and his barbaric war in Ukraine. Quote, although he has decided not to run for PM again, Mr. Sunak added, I truly hope he continues to contribute to public life at home and abroad. Next article. Their America is vanishing. Like Trump, They insist they were cheated. By Michael H. Keller and David D. Kirkpatrick. When Representative Troy Nels of Texas voted last year to reject Donald J. Trump's electoral defeat, many of his constituents back home in Fort Bend County were thrilled. Like the former president, they have been unhappy with the changes unfolding around them. Crime and sprawl from Houston, the big city next door, have been spilling over into their once bucolic towns. Quote, build a wall, Mr. Nels likes to say, and make Houston pay. The county in recent years has become one of the nation's most diverse, where the former white majority has fallen to just 30% of the population. Don Demel a 61-year-old salesman who turned out last month to pick up a signed copy of a book by Mr. Nels about the supposedly stolen election, said his parents had raised him, quote, colorblind. But the reason for the discontent was clear. Other white people in Fort Pend 
did not like certain people coming here, he said. It's race. They are old school. A shrinking white share of the population is a hallmark of the congressional districts held by the House Republicans who voted to challenge Mr. Trump's defeat. A New York Times analysis found. A pattern political science say shows how white fear of losing status shaped the movement to keep him in power. The portion of white residents dropped about 35 percent more over the last three decades in those districts than in territory represented by other Republicans, the analysis found, and constituents also lagged behind in income and education. Rates of so-called deaths of despair, such as suicide, drug overdose, and alcohol-related liver failure, were notably higher as well. Although overshadowed by the assault on the Capitol on January 6, 2021, the House vote that day was the most consequential of Mr. Trump's ploys to overturn the election. It cast doubt on the central ritual of American democracy, galvanized the party's grassroots around the myth of a stolen victory, and set a precedent that legal experts and some Republican lawmakers Warren could perpetually embroil Congress in choosing a president. To understand the social forces converging in that historic vote, objecting to the Electoral College count, the Times examined the constituencies of the lawmakers who joined the effort. Analyzing census and other data from congressional districts and interviewing scores of residents and local officials. The Times previously revealed the backroom maneuvers inside the House, including convincing lawmakers that they could reject the results without explicitly endorsing Mr. Trump's outlandish fraud claims. Many of the 139 objectors, including Mr. Nels, said they were driven in part by the demands of their voters. Quote, you sent me to Congress to fight for President Trump and election integrity. Mr. Nels wrote in a tweet on January 5, 2021, and that's exactly what I am doing. At a Republican caucus meeting a few days earlier, Representative Bill Johnson from an Ohio district stretching into Appalachia told colleagues that his constituents would, quote, go ballistic with, quote, raging fire if he broke with Mr. Trump, according to a recording. Certain districts primarily reflect either the racial or socioeconomic characteristics. But the typical objector district shows both a fact demographers said was striking. Because they are more vulnerable, disadvantaged, or less educated, white voters can feel especially endangered by the trend toward a minority majority, said Ashley Jardina, a political scientist at George Mason University who studies the attitudes of those voters. Quote, A lot of white Americans who are really threatened are willing to reject democratic norms, she said because they see it as a way to protect their status. That may help explain why the dispute over Mr. Trump's defeat has emerged at this moment in history, with economic inequality reaching new heights and the white population of the United States expected within the two decades, within about two decades, to lose its majority. Many of the objectors' districts started with a significantly larger black minority or had a rapid increase in the Hispanic population, making the decline in the white population more pronounced. Of the 12 Republican-held districts that swung to minority white, almost all in California and Texas, 10 were represented by objectors. The most significant drops occurred in the Dallas-Fort Worth suburbs and California desert towns, where the white percentage fell by more than a third. Lawmakers who objected were also overrepresented among the 70 Republican-held districts with the lowest percentages of college graduates. In one case, the Southeast Kentucky District of Hal Rogers, currently the longest-serving House member, about 14% of its residents had four-year degrees, less than half the average in the districts of Republicans who accepted the election results. While Mr. Nell's district exemplifies demographic change, Representative H. Morgan Griffiths in southwest Virginia is among the poorest in the country. Once dominated by coal, manufacturing, and tobacco, the area's economic base eroded with competition from new energy sources and foreign importers. 
Doctors prescribed opioids to injured laborers, and an epidemic of addiction soon followed. Residents, roughly 90% of them white, griped that the educated elites in the north of the northern Virginia suburbs think that, quote, the state stops at Roanoke. They take umbrage at what they consider condescension from outsiders who view their communities as poverty-stricken, and they bemoan, quote, Ph.D. pollution from the big local university, Virginia Tech. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. After a long history of broken government promises, many said in interviews they had lost faith in the political process and public institutions in almost everyone but Mr. Trump, who they said championed their cause. Marie March, a restaurant owner in the town of Christiansburg, said she embodied, quote, the mindset of the Trump MAGA voter. Quote, you feel like you're the underdog and you don't get a fair shake, so you look for people that are going to shake it up, she said of the local support for Mr. Trump's dispute of the election results. Quote, we don't feel like we've had a voice. Ms. March, who said she attended the January 6th rally in Washington but did not go to the Capitol, was inspired by Mr. Trump to win a seat in the state legislature last year. She said she could drive 225 miles east from the Kentucky border and see only Trump signs. No one in the region could imagine that he received fewer votes than President Biden, she insisted. You could call it an echo chamber of our beliefs, she added, but that's a pretty big landmass to be an echo chamber. In a bustling clinic called the Health Wagon in Mr. Griffith's district, Paula Hill Collins sees low-income and uninsured patients with maladies from tooth decay to heart conditions and diabetes. Since the last election, they had often raised another complaint, the false claim that Democrats stole Mr. Trump's victory. Quote, Did you see that box of votes that was thrown away? Did you see they found extra ones? This is what we hear from our patients, said Ms. Hill Collins, a nurse practitioner who grew up in the town of Coburn, population 1,600. Residents of the area, former coal towns at the southern end of Appalachia, have felt cheated for generations, she said. They believe it because look what's happened to us, she said, recalling the exploitation of her community, first by mining interests and more recently by drug makers. Quote, That's fed a culture of suspicion. Families still swap stories about underhanded land deals that prospectors struck with residents more than a century ago for minerals under the hills. Now, the number of coal miners has plunged to less than 2,000 from more than 10,000 employed at about 340 mines three decades ago, according to government statistics. In a congressional district bigger than New Jersey, Villages that once hummed with the sounds of children now feel, quote, just like ghost towns, said Betty S. Hess, 75, of Honecker, population 1,200. A daughter, sister, and wife of minors, she now helps lead an association to support those with black lung disease. Nearly a fifth of the homes in the district sit empty. The average household earns about $46,000 a year, about a quarter less than in other Republican-held districts. Even with Virginia Tech, only about 21% of the residents hold college degrees, compared with about 31% nationally. The toll of the opioid crisis is unmistakable. 
In Lebanon, population 3,100, seven addiction clinics line Main Street. Kimberly Harris, 50, director of a nearby funeral home, said she typically buried at least one overdose victim a month. Quote, the older I get, the younger they get, she said, noting that she adopted the child of a relative who had become addicted. Last week, she was preparing a service for a 67-year-old who had died of lung cancer after working in coal mines from the age of 14. Conditions like diabetes and heart disease overlap so often that health workers feel lucky when their parents can walk when their patients can walk in the door, said Teresa Owens Tyson, a nurse practitioner at the Health Wagon. Quote, sometimes they collapse in the parking lot, she said. Although not all are so hard pressed, <clears throat> the districts of the House objectors share similar disadvantages. Households there had nearly 10% less annual income in 2020 than those in other Republican areas. Not only were college degrees less common, so were high school diplomas. The GOP's hold on those districts reflects its shift away from its former country club image to become the party of those left behind. The residents of Democratic districts, on average, are better educated and earn significantly more. Tim Wilson, a 60-year-old Army veteran who owns a business in Christiansburg that provides wigs and other supplies to cancer patients, said he won a town council seat last year to help attract business and jobs. Yet he feared the cultural cost of outside investment. A big employer, quote, would also bring with it all the executives and what comes with it from Northern Virginia or California, one of the strong blue regions, he said. There is this fear. The same distrust drove feelings about the last election, he said. Democratic elites in the big cities, the ones who took people, quote, from being coal miners to being put out on the street, were pushing for what he called the myth that the election had run perfectly. Quote, if we don't show the people that are a level above us and a level above them in elected counties that we mean business, it'll never change anything, he said. We need to show them that we have the courage to stand up to the status quo. Others took offense at the suggestion that election doubts were tied to income, education, or faith. Districts of objectors had higher concentrations of evangelical Protestants than other Republican-held areas, according to the most recent data available. Instead, some residents said that their reasons for questioning the results should be obvious to anyone. The relatively small size of Mr. Biden's rallies, the overnight disappearance of Mr. Trump's early lead— as more votes were tallied, the allegations about stuffed ballot drop boxes. Quote, it's not a political thing. It's a we love our country thing, said Alicia Vaught, 46, a homemaker and Republican organizer in Christiansburg. Quote, you're either for America or you're not. Mr. Griffith, 64, a lawyer and state legislator before joining Congress, built his career fighting for the lost cause of coal. In the Tea Party wave of 2010, he defeated a 14-term Democratic incumbent by slamming him for supporting carbon caps. His commitment to fossil fuels has made Mr. Griffith a vocal critic of electric cars, which he notes cannot yet cross his district without recharging. Earlier this year, he criticized Democrats for holding a hearing on the technology, even though many Americans were worried about high energy prices because the Russian war in Ukraine had cut global oil and gas supplies. Quote, have my friends forgotten where our electricity comes from today? He asked fellow lawmakers, arguing for focusing on U.S. production of coal, oil and gas. He was an enthusiastic backer of Mr. Trump, who had made a campaign promise to being to bring coal jobs back. After he took office, Mr. Griffith celebrated, quote, the war on coal is over. When Mr. Trump lost in 2020, his claims of a stolen election quickly took hold in the district. Quote, I'd be pumping gas and people who didn't even know me would want to know if I thought the election was stolen, said Frank Kilgore, 70, a lawyer, lobbyist, and local historian who is an independent. Quote, Morgan heard it more and more from his base, Mr. Kilgore added, Local Republican leaders, quote, said they thought it was stolen, too, raising the specter of a primary challenge if Mr. Griffith voted to accept the results. Constituents circulated a petition 
demanding that he fight Mr. Trump's loss. Yet Mr. Griffith was not among the vocal chorus of House Republicans echoing Mr. Trump. On January 6, 2021, he voted to object, citing only changes to election procedure during the pandemic. The congressman, who declined to comment for this article, wrote to constituents after Mr. Biden was inaugurated, quote, it is time to move forward. But local parties, but local party leaders have not given up. In Montgomery County, the largest in the district, the party has been offering weekly screenings since the summer of the film, quote, 2,000 Mules. Using faulty arguments, the film alleges that Democrats conspired to stuff ballot drop boxes to engineer Mr. Trump's defeat. Quote, the other side always talks about facts, 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 but facts change and facts are whatever you want them to be, said Joanne Price, 70, host of the screenings, accusing news organizations of distorting the truth. The screenings take place at a strip mall in Christiansburg, where she also leads seminars on accounting, cursive, and, quote, the foundation of the nation. A biracial woman who traces her lineage to enslaved people and the white family that owned them, Ms. Price sells and flies the Confederate flag. Quote, I'm proud of all the things that made my country what it is, she said. She became involved in local politics during the pandemic, organizing protests against masks and vaccines. This year, she replaced the country's the county party's chair, faulting her predecessor for not pushing the, quote, stop the steal cause. At a recent meeting, Ms. Price warned fellow party volunteers that thousands of former Virginia Tech students may be registered to vote in her county. Her group vowed to seek new laws to purge voter rolls and to elect pro-Trump insurgents. Quote, we're going to set this country on fire, Ms. Price promised. Less than a month before the 2020 election, Democrats organized a rally outside a predominantly black high school in a Fort Bend town adjacent to Houston, and a caravan of Trump backers showed up. Several arrived in military vehicles. One drove a white hearse displaying a sign, quote, collecting Democratic votes one dead stiff at a time. A placard on the windshield served as a rejoinder to the racial to the recent racial justice movement. Quote, all lives matter. A mannequin that appeared to be a black woman lay in an open coffin. Eugene Howard, 39, an alumnus of the high school and then president of a local chapter of the NAACP, said Trump supporters shoved him and used a racist slur as he walked to his car. Quote, the goal was intimidation, he argued in an interview, saying it was motivated by the same emotions as the denial of the 2020 election results, white fear and backlash. Texas is one of six states where the white population is now outnumbered by black, Hispanic, and Asian residents. Mr. Nell's district, which includes most of Fort Bend County, is part of the reason. It swung from nearly 70% to less than 40% white over the last three decades. But changing demographics in many places may not yet be reflected at the polls because of a larger white share of the voting age population and higher turnout levels. Exit polls show that white Texans still make up 60% of the state's voters in 2020. The greater Houston area is the center of the state's transformation and also a hub of the Stop the Steal movement. True the Vote, the organization behind some of the loudest accusations of voter fraud, was founded 12 years ago by a Fort Bend resident who claimed that a nonprofit was falsely registering voters in black and Hispanic neighborhoods in Houston. A cluster of congressmen who actively promoted Mr. Trump's election denial come from the area. Next month, another Republican who calls the election stolen is expected to replace an incumbent who accepted the Biden victory and did not seek re-election. Many Fort Bend area Republicans say their doubts about the 2020 results have nothing to do with race. Quote, I think it has more to do with polarization than it does with racial or demographic issues, said J.C. Jettin, 39, a Texas state legislator and former GOP county chairman. Quote, we are so divided now, he added, that no one can accept that their opponents, quote, believe what they believe. 
He said he declined to speculate whether Mr. Trump had won or lost in 2020. But Mr. Jettin, who is Korean-American, noted that forward-looking Republicans in many places were competing for minority voters. In Fort Bend, the party won local races through 2016, partly through outreach to black, Hispanic, and immigrant groups, particularly Asian Americans. The county government flipped to the Democrats under Mr. Trump in 2018, organizers in both parties said, in part because the president's rhetoric, quote, shithole countries, a Muslim ban, had repelled those voters. But William Thompson, 47, a white Republican who declined to seek re-election in 2020 as a Fort Bend town constable, said the racial shift in the electorate helped explain the denial of Mr. Trump's defeat. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Quote, the Republican Party is, you know, dominated by white males, and the hardcore Republicans, especially in a place like Fort Bend, might not be fully awake to the fact that we are a melting pot he said, quote, they just may not believe that all these people of color, all these different religions, maybe Muslims, maybe atheists, have moved in and are voting. Craig Latall, 65, a building contractor who described himself as dubious about Mr. Biden's win, felt similarly. Mr. Latall used to lead the county party's outreach to minority voters, courting culturally conservative Asian-American business owners and professionals. He said he often visited the local Hindu temple in his cowboy hat and boots with a kurta over his wranglers. And he cited some success, like persuading a black Democrat who had lost her primary to switch parties. Quote, You could see the demographic changes coming a long time ago, he said. But if you look at a picture of our list of candidates, it is white, 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 white. Right-leaning media commentators sometimes assert that liberals are conspiring to increase the number of non-white voters in order to, quote, replace white ones. That theory may have particular traction in objectors' districts where the white share of the population fell, an average of 14 percent over the last three decades, compared with about 10 percent in other Republican-held areas. Many objector districts are in former Confederate states that were home to large black populations. Black residents make up about 20% of Fort Bend, including descendants of former slaves who once worked on a sugar plantation, the site of what is now the town of Sugarland. The town is the center of the fast-growing Asian-American population, now a fifth of the county. The largest mosque, Mariam Islamic Center, is so besieged by candidates of both parties that it limits political speeches to three Fridays each election cycle and caps them at three minutes. A sprawling Hindu temple with a specialized grocery store and cafe draws visitors from across the South and Southwest. And where football once ruled, cricket leagues flourish. About a dozen pitches around the country, sorry, about a dozen pitches around the county attract players with roots in former British colonies, despite occasional friction with neighbors. In some farm towns, quote, they don't want us going into their property after a ball. Some guys say they will shoot if we trespass, said Devin Small, 68, a Jamaican-born umpire, quote, but some of the neighbors are friendly and they will come and ask, what is that? Mr. Nels called immigrants an asset to the community. Quote, if you go to the Sugarland Memorial Hospital and try to read the names of the doctors, we can't pronounce them or spell them, right? The congressman said in an interview at his book signing. Quote, but those are the same guys who are going to be putting in my stent in a few years, he continued, trying to sound out the name of his own cardiologist from a business card. Quote, I think he is from Pakistan, and I think he is a Muslim, Mr. Nels said, and I love him. Some Fort Bend Democrats said they saw an obvious connection between the declining white share of the population and the refusal by Mr. Nels and his supporters to accept Mr. Trump's defeat. 
Quote, it is a power grab by white Republicans, said K.P. George, a Democrat born in India, who was elected in 2018 as the county's top executive, the first non-white person to hold the office. Xenophobic hostility is all I get, he quipped in an interview. Mr. George has cited slurs against him posted by online accounts backing his Republican opponent this fall. These have included falsehoods that he is a Muslim and changed his name, quote, to sound more American, attempts to link him with Osama bin Laden, and a demand that he recognize a, quote, white heritage month. In response, his rival has accused Mr. George and other Democrats of stoking, quote, racial division to distract from their failures of leadership. That candidate is Mr. Nell's twin brother, Trevor, a former elected constable and ex-Army colonel. He declined to comment. Troy Nels, a veteran of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, served as the county sheriff for eight years before running for Congress in 2020. His seat appears safe this year because the Republican-controlled state legislature redrew the boundaries of his district to include more predominantly white and solidly Republican terrain outside Fort Bend County. Whites now make up a majority of the eligible voters in the district. Fort Bend Republicans say they are playing down election integrity issues in the midterms, wary that attention on Mr. Trump's dispute may turn off independent voters worried about everyday matters like inflation. Still, Bobby Eberly, the county party chairman, said fears of voter fraud after the last election drove many of the calls he received from volunteers. The Harris County Republican Party is training poll watchers to suspect mischief from, a lo- from local election workers. Quote, There was a lot more shenanigans going on than I was aware of, said Jacqueline Clinton, 55, leaving one of the training sessions in Kingwood, a Houston suburb. For his part, Mr. Nels said election fraud was the only thing that could stop, quote, the greatest leader of my lifetime from returning to the Oval Office in 2024. Quote, in a fair election, you can't beat Donald Trump, Mr. Nels said, posing for photographs in front of a life-size photo of the former president. He saw no fear of demographic change among his supporters, he said. These people aren't against brown or black people. They just don't like the way the Democrats are running the country. Next article. China's leader now wields formidable power. Who will say no to him? By Chris Buckley, Keith Bradshaw, and Chang Chi. When China's leader... Xi Jinping led six dark-suited men into a bright red stage on Sunday. The scale of his victory became clear as one by one he introduced the country's new ruling inner circle. Each was an acolyte of Mr. Xi, making his grip over China's future tighter than ever. Mr. Xi's groundbreaking third term as leader following a week-long Communist Party Congress was entirely expected. But even seasoned observers who thought that they had taken the full measure of Mr. Xi have been astonished by how thoroughly he shook up the party's top tiers. Quote, he was dominant already and is even more dominant now, said Dali Yang, a professor at the University of Chicago who researches Chinese politics. Quote, he owns it. Mr. Xi has stacked the Politburo Standing Committee, the party's top body, with his loyalists. He has also appointed to the broader leadership a number of domestic security officials, military commanders, ideologues, engineers, and technocrats, underscoring his ambition of accelerating China's rise as a military and technological superpower while keeping it under unyielding Communist Party control. For the world, this may portend a China newly energized to pursue Mr. Xi's agenda. Beijing is likely to remain defiant in the face of international criticism of its hardline behavior. It is seeking greater self-sufficiency in strategic technologies. It wants to become the preeminent military force in the region and to strongly assert its claim over Taiwan. At the Congress, Mr. Xi also said that China would promote its own initiatives to solve global development and security problems. To the party's supporters and many people in China, Mr. Xi's centralized control can be a strength. The party has pushed images showing how the pandemic devastated other countries. Mr. Xi has contrasted the vast mobilizing capacity of the Chinese state with what he calls the, quote, chaos of the West. Quote, 
A third term for Xi Jinping very much represents continuity in all of China's current policies, unlike the United States' flip-flopping policies. Wang Wen, the executive director of the Chanyang Institute for Financial Studies in Beijing, said in, a ri- in written responses to questions, quote, If Xi didn't get a third term, wouldn't the world be even more worried? Mr. Xi made clear that he was deeply involved in choosing the new cohort of officials. A top criterion for selection was loyalty to Mr. Xi, said an official account of the, sel- of the selection process that was published over the weekend. Rising officials, it said, must stay in lockstep with him, quote, in thinking, politics, and action. But investing so much power in Mr. Xi is a profound gamble. History is replete with examples of autocrats blinded by hubris and overreach after they surrounded themselves with subordinates afraid to report bad news. Mr. Xi's decade in power has already produced examples of overstepping or disastrous foot-dragging, notably in early 2020, when local authorities initially tried to conceal evidence that COVID, then little understood, was infectious. Some scholars argue that such risks will grow now that he has cleared the Politburo of potential mavericks. Quote, that kind of pressure on people is really going to result in poor implementation of policy at a minimum, said Susan Shirk, a former deputy assistant, secretary of state during the Clinton administration, and author of a new book, Overreach, How China Derailed Its Peaceful Rise. Quote, people won't dare tell him the actual downsides and costs of his policies and the problems they're creating, she said. Everyone is going to be competing among themselves to show how loyal they are, and they'll end up overdoing it. Even China's censorship apparatus seemed to betray some sensitivity about the public's response to Mr. Xi's power. State accounts on social media turned off their comment sections or showed only upbeat reactions to the news of his new term. A few dissenting views briefly evaded the censors, some using veiled language to lament Mr. Xi's omnipresence. Others asking why Hu Chanyu, once seen as a potential successor to Premier Li Keqiang, had been shunted off the leadership team. Quote, from his qualifications and performance, he should have been promoted, one commenter wrote. If ability isn't what counts, how can we revitalize? Having dispensed with potential counterweights in the party's top echelon, however, Mr. Xi may find that his biggest hazard becomes his own power, and the fact that responsibility for problems will rest even more clearly with him. Quote, Xi now truly owns the system, but any mistakes will also be his, unmistakably, said Professor Yang from the University of Chicago. Until now, if there were some problems in the economy, he could blame it on others. Mr. Xi began his march toward the party congress more than a year ago, exuding confidence that China had stifled covid allowing the country's economic growth to surge ahead of Western competitors. But even as the Communist Party lauded Mr. Xi, making the case for another term in power, the economy suffered a series of setbacks that at least partially reflected his miscalculations. A two-month COVID-19 lockdown earlier this year paralyzed businesses in Shanghai and disrupted global supply chains. Economic growth in China from April through June was actually slower than in the United States. Mr. Xi's push for even greater Communist Party control over life in China has played a role in the economic troubles. The housing market is in a slump after Mr. Xi sought to curb property speculation, which he has concluded is undermining long-term healthy growth, prompting dozens of real estate developers to default on their debts. His exceptionally stringent approach of imposing mass lockdowns and quarantines to eradicate COVID-19 outbreaks has throttled consumer spending on everything from cheap eateries to high-end jewelry. Entrepreneurs have fled the country fearing regulatory crackdowns and the possibility of higher taxes as part of Mr. Xi's egalitarian pledges to deliver, quote, common prosperity. He has imposed extensive restrictions on the tech and online education sectors, contributing to widespread unemployment among Chinese under the age of 25. Mr. Xi's team already has a history of overreach on economic policy. In 2017, 
Energy officials forced schools and apartment buildings in northeast China to rip out coal-fired boilers as part of a national campaign to reduce air pollution. But the natural gas heating systems that were to replace them were not yet ready, forcing children to endure classes in freezing temperatures. Given Mr. Xi's emphasis on national security and social stability, few experts expect China to return to the freewheeling business climate that accompanied rapid economic growth before he took office. On the contrary, Mr. Xi talks far more about Marxism than markets in his opening speech at the Party Congress. I'm afraid that's all the time we have today. Uh, So this concludes the reading of the New York Times for today. Your reader has been Mary Fullington. If you have any questions, comments, or suggestions concerning this program, please feel free to call us at 859-422-6390. Thank you for listening. And now, please stay tuned for continued programming on Radio I. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.